0: Friends, as we all know, life in the modern world can be pretty tough sometimes. Whether it's that overwhelmed feeling caused by the 24-hour news cycle or that exhausted keeping up with the Joneses marathon that many people feel like they're running on a daily basis or simply trying to get by day in and day out. The good news is that there are now platforms designed to provide us with the support we need. Our sponsor, BetterHelp, is a wonderful resource that's purposely designed to be accessible and personalized to your exact specifications. With the click of a button, you can sign up and be matched with a professional of the highest standards, a specialist that can be an unbiased support system throughout your week and beyond. And BetterHelp goes out of its way to ensure that your needs are met. If the professional you're matched up with isn't working out, BetterHelp will work tirelessly to match you up with someone who will. Here at 20-Sided Gamified, we fully and readily support our listeners' goals of living healthy, fulfilling lives, filled with laughter, fun, gaming, and stories to pass on from generation to generation. We are proud to have a partnership with BetterHelp, and we hope you'll look into this wonderful opportunity and resource at a time where we all may need a little boost. Signing up for BetterHelp has never been easier, Go to betterhelp.com/slash/twenty-sided-gamified to learn more and sign up at a 10% discount for your first month. You can also gain access to BetterHelp through the link provided in our show notes. Thank you so much. Hey there, friends. Jared here from the Twenty-Sided Gamified Podcast. So, uh, with all sincerity, I love the dudes from Firelock Games. Um, the episode that you're about to listen to is with those dudes. Had so much fun talking to them. We decided to do something nice for the gaming community out there. So here's the deal. For seven days, starting right now, so for the next seven days, if you order some figures, whether it's stuff from Blood & Plunder or Oak & Iron, Blood & Valor, Blood & Steel, I mean, I could go on and on and on regarding their games. If you use the coupon code NEXTGEN10, you will get a discount on the figures that you purchase. It's just our way of saying thank you. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Thank you for taking an interest in FireLock Games. And by the way, if you're curious about where to find their minis, the the place where you're going to be able to use this coupon code is at www.firelockgames.com. So one more time, www.firelockgames.com use the coupon code NEXTGEN10. And if you're wondering where that name comes from, it's HMGS, Next Gen Inc., the uh, group that I'm one of the directors and founders of. So again, everybody, for this holiday season, whatever you may believe, just a huge thank you. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoy this podcast, and I hope you enjoy the sale that you're going to basically get through Firelock Games, just simply... By listening to this podcast have an absolutely wonderful day and enjoy the episode all right there podcast fans how you doing this is jared here hosting the 20-sided gamified podcast kelly mcmanus are you here Oh,
1: I'm I'm awake. <laughs> you are, yeah, you are awake. This is definitely Early true. Sunday morning, here
0: we go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think I think that I think co-hosting this podcast is helping
1: you with your sleep, right? Like I, getting I up earlier. Is. Yeah. You know? You know, I'm not, yeah, I'm not being lazy. You know, I'm not yeah. sleeping until midday. No, falling sure. out of bed. <laughs> no, this is
0: good. This is Scabbaging. definitely a good thing. No, this is a great thing, you know. So by the way, people, um, you are gonna see Kelly on way more shows. You know, originally when we when we started doing like the co-host thing we were really kind of just doing Kelly and I for the for the friend casts you know which i think at this point we were, we've put out i think 5 yeah but i think yeah right 5 but mm-hmm. now we're we're just doing it together i mean if kelly can't make it one day then you know i'll do it on my own um but ultimately you know we're kind of we're going to try to do as many of these together as possible because we've actually gotten i mean i i don't know why i'm using the word actually uh We've gotten you know some some real positive feedback. I guess people like our banter.
1: I yeah, guess. I was gonna say like the only thing you lose with me not being here is banter. <laughs> hey, yeah, no, 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 no. Usually you ask lose good much. questions though.
0: Now you ask great questions. So by the way, um, we've got an amazing guest for for today's episode, and we're gonna do a slow roll into that. You know, Kelly, I don't know about you, I had a weird night. So really, really quickly. So for all of you uh, folks out there listening, if you want to be freaked out like I was last night, on HBO Max, or I don't know if it's called HBO anymore, Max. there was this, yeah, I think it's just called Max, there was this unbelievably creepy documentary about cults. Now, I'm really into that stuff. I I just find it fascinating how people fall into these traps of, of cult-like behavior, but this one was just like on another level. It was called, um, and by the way, this is not a sponsor or anything. It was really just <laughs> one of the weirdest things I've ever seen. It was basically... Uh, it was about this person named Amy Carlson. It was called um, Mother God, Love Has Won. And it was just basically about this new age cult. And it was really like one of the free, I had like nightmares about it. That's 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 where I'm at
1: today. So so let me ask, are you promoting the cult or are you promoting HBO Max? I'm promoting the fact that this podcast <laughs> is going to be weird today because
0: of that okay. show. Right, like I had a dream. Fun. My mother joined it. Like oh, it was like one of those things where I watched it and I fell asleep and had a nightmare within an hour of being asleep. That's, you know, that's so lovely. I mean, it was just bizarre. You know, <laughs> I think what I find even more bizarre about these folks that it's not even so much the cult leader; it's usually the folks that fall into it. You know, where like here, I'll give a simple example. Like this cult leader is withering away from like alcoholism, and somehow. This person convinced the, the cult itself that it wasn't really alcoholism. It was like being touched by God, essentially, and that her withering away was like her physical body disappearing. And then eventually it was going to manifest in the, you know, you know, you know, somewhere else. You know, I mean, it's just really a, a different level of cult. You know. Was the
1: ATF involved in any way? Yeah. So
0: here's the thing: I <laughs> fell asleep halfway through. I didn't even make it through. So I don't know. I I do know that they found her mummified corpse in like this little house, surrounded by her followers. Who were like trying to figure out like you know what new body is this lady inhabiting? Like really, just uh, I don't know. Cults. You guys got to get it together. You know, folks that are in those like we need to we need to ratchet it up it has to be a little bit more believable. You know what I mean? I guess uh <laughs> then I would have more respect for people who, you know, end up in it, you know, what about you, Kelly? What, uh, how was your night?
1: That uh, was good. I, I went to a, um, I mean, obviously these are recorded a little bit in advance, but I went yeah, to a yeah. holiday party, um, with the, uh, with my girlfriend, uh, and I met a bunch of her coworkers. Oh, really? That's so a big step. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a little horrifying in its own right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For <laughs> you sure. Know? They're putting a lot of onus on, uh on uh, the happiness I, I, you know, give, yeah. I guess. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, Did you do well?
1: Like. Yeah, yeah, no, they all yeah, love me. Yeah, that's great. I have a, I have a natural uh, banter charm. <laughs>
0: yeah, no, clearly. Um, and I guess on that note, uh, our poor guest is sitting here listening to us just ramble. Um, so, again, uh, yeah, everybody knows this already, but I'll say it, you know, one more time. Um, and I'll probably say it, you know, more than one more time on other episodes. I only interview people I want to interview and i I found this group, I guess you could say, I guess recently, I had thought that I had seen their work previous to historic on twenty twenty two but i I very well might be wrong. So we have Adam Sharp here from a wargaming group called the Thomas Hill Wargamers. now I'm sure he'll give you some contact info a little bit later, but so I'm a huge fan of World War One. everybody kind of knows that already and they had some done, as a group, some amazing work. They ran a game at Historic on 2022. I've, I've seen their painted figures in different uh, magazines, like Wargames Illustrated. I know there's also a connection, I believe, we're going to have to see, because sometimes I get the stuff wrong, but I don't think I'm wrong in this case. A connection also with Firelock Games, that's going to be a podcast that will more than likely air. I think it's going to air before this one, but there is that sort of connection there. And when I again, like I kind of put two and two together. I found them on Instagram and just the breadth of projects that this group has out there is just absurd. Like I thought my collection was big. It is not. And also the, just the level of sophistication of these projects, the group just seems so professional that I wanted to bring on one of the, one of the people from the group. And I hit up uh, you know Thomas Hill Wargamers on Instagram. And thankfully, and here we go, Adam. How you doing, man? Yeah,
2: I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. I'm yeah, glad no, to be, I, I think it's gonna be
0: awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be great. So Adam, um this is one of those best kind of podcasts because I know enough I knew enough about your group to bring you on, but I don't know like the intricacies of you know what it is that you do. So I know our audience is going to kind of love this and I know I can see Kelly's face. He's just, he's, he's primed and ready to to ask some questions. So, so Adam, I, I don't know where you want to start. Do you want to start like origin story wise, like just with your sure. own gaming?
2: <clears throat> yeah, sure. Absolutely. Um, you know, just a little bit of orientation of where we're at, uh, the, the Thomas Hill Wargamers, you know, we're a, we're a group of guys who, uh, grew up together and, mm-hmm. um, literally grew up together and, and, uh, uh, half of the group or part of the group anyway, are my brothers. There's, uh, there's four brothers, uh, and we all, we all enjoy the hobby. We have uh, forever. Um, and a group of our guys, uh, our buddies that we grew up with, uh, you know, here in our farming community, uh, we live in South central Ohio. Uh, we're, 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 we're kind of in the foothills of Appalachia, uh, we call it. And, uh, and a bunch of us farm We're farmers. I don't know if you've had a farmer on before on your, no, farm, no, on your podcast. No, no, this <laughs> so is a first. This is a first. That might be a first for you. Yeah. But, um, uh, so we, we farm, uh, uh, three of my brothers and I, uh, we, we, uh, uh we own a farm together. Um, and we, we have a farming business together. We're all involved off the farm also in the agricultural industry. Uh, we have professions in the ag industry separate from the farm as well. So we're doing, you know, we're kind of in the space uh, quite a bit um, in, in lots of different angles and um, uh, in our buddies uh, that we that are a part of the group um, we're all all guys that we grew up with uh, some of them have been involved in agriculture uh, but we all we all play sports together we all grew up playing right. football together and all kinds of sports 4-h and FFA and different things like that we grew up in uh, in the rural community that we're in um, so uh, uh, you know our you know our, uh, our our history goes back to truly when we were probably you know literally uh, kindergarten together uh, for, wow. for a group of us, um, wow. or you know, part of the group anyway. And, uh, and we've been together ever since. And, you know, we all share history. There's a lot of history here in our community in the area uh, that really got us all interested. Uh, but, um, uh, but a little bit more just myself on the background. So I, you know, uh, we have the farms, um, graduated from Ohio State University, uh, moved to Washington, D.C. for about 11 years and uh, um, spent, uh, spent quite a bit of time there, both in and out of government, uh advocating for agriculture so i worked for uh, agricultural policy at the national level and the international level um doing advocacy work on capitol hill and then i was a white house political appointee for one of the uh, one of the administrations i'll yeah. try out to get political one of the administrations um and, and, and did time working for one of those administrations uh in, in agriculture and environmental policy uh before coming back here to ohio again um uh, I did study uh, agriculture abroad for uh, a while as well, both in uh, at the Chinese Academy of Ag Sciences in China and, and uh, in the Czech Agricultural School uh, outside of Prague in in what was Czechoslovakia at the time. Uh, so uh, so my my agricultural breadth and depth is pretty far and large, and it's been nice because it goes <laughs> along with my history interest. Yeah. Um, you know, and the travels and the time that I've spent in all these different places, uh, you know, you take the side trips, right, to visit right. history and to visit museums and to visit sites. Uh, but I've been back here uh, in Ohio now for a number of years uh, to, to raise my children here versus in Washington. Love Washington. Didn't want to raise the kids there. Right. Moved them back here to the farm. And um, and uh, uh, and I, I now run one of our well, the state's largest farm advocacy organization. So, uh, and, and you know, and you wonder, so you got all this agricultural stuff, but we also have, uh, uh, my mother was a professional photographer and an artist. Uh, and so my cousins were, and, and still are very involved in the art world. Um, so we kind of have this interesting mix of agriculture and and art. And that certainly has brought in part of my interest as well when it gets into the train building and the painting and all those different other aspects uh, of the hobby. Um, and I would say that's true too for all my brothers. Like we all have kind of that influence in us uh and uh, and certainly the love of history just because of our local area and some of the big hist- big historical characters uh from our from our local neighborhood right here. And we could we could talk a little bit about that as well.
0: To Adam, this is super dangerous because now I I mean, you've lived quite a life. I mean, I have lots of questions that have nothing to do with wargaming. <laughs> That's the problem. <laughs> so I don't know. Should we I mean, should we stay focused? I don't know. Kelly, what do you think? Should we stay
1: focused or Let's talk a little bit, I guess, about the life, and then segue yeah, into so, the into the hobby.
0: Yeah. So, okay. So, do here's like a question. 50/50. Well, first off, massive thumbs up to you, sir, because you come from one of those. Ind- yeah. Hey, I'll wax philosophical for a moment. Um, you come from one of those industries that um I I I hate to say it, but like so many people I know and just society in general, they don't think about the kind of work that you do. They just kind of mindlessly go right. into their into their supermarkets. Um, you know. And again, I'm not saying that all of these folks look down on this type of profession, right? But there are certainly folks out there that, again, just don't even think about what it takes to kind of stock those shelves with the food that they eat. So I guess that's right. Um, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so I guess on Absolutely. some level, I'm just wondering, like, what's yeah. it like being a commercial farmer? What's that life yeah. like? Yeah, and
2: I, I appreciate appreciate that observation. You know, people drive by. The, the farm fields every day, right? And they go to the supermarket every day, but they don't think of where the meal comes from. Yeah. Uh, and uh, that's a big part of what we do. Uh, we call it ag literacy. Uh, and we spend a lot of time. Uh, I have, I have a, a team of people uh, actually that work for me. That that's, what, that's what they do. Uh, they spend right. their time uh, talking to the public and especially to young people about uh, where their food comes from. Uh, yeah. We used to say this on Capitol Hill all the time. You, you hear this a lot in the agriculture committees in the House and the Senate. And that's that you're, you're nine meals away from revolution. Uh, yeah. You know, when people are hungry, think bad things happen. Oh, of course. And, uh, you know, and and you guys who appreciate and know history so well understand that very very. Oh, well.
0: absolutely, dude. Look, here's the thing. We we'll, we don't have to get too political. Not too po- <laughs> too political, but like, no, absolutely. Look, regardless of w- the way in which you lean, whether it's left or right or somewhere in the middle or whatever. Look, I don't think it takes a brain surgeon to realize. I distinctly remember the the lines at the supermarket that crazed look in people's eyes during covid you know right so you're right. absolutely right you know as soon as the as soon as the food runs out as soon as there's, there's an issue there as soon as things that we're used to stop functioning the way that they normally do that's usually from the perspective of a history teacher right me right usually when bad things happen
2: <laughs> when bad things happen yeah, yeah we it's like, like you
0: better hope to... for a basement you could lock yourself in you know
2: yeah, exactly. Right. I mean, yeah, I mean, we talk about, uh, you know, uh, national security is food security. You know, right. that's something that we, we talk about quite a bit. And, and, you know, people were removed, generations removed from the farm now in America for the for, for most part. Right. Uh, less than two percent of the population are farmers. And um, so people don't understand where their food comes from, even though they drive past it every day. Yeah. Um, and even though it is one of the largest industries we have in the country and the largest industry we have in Ohio, for example, um, and in many states. Um, but they don't understand where it comes from and they certainly don't understand modern agriculture. And that's where right. we spend a lot of time in genomics and, and, and plant pathology and robotics and precision agriculture and in conservation. And there's so many different fascinating uh, activities that are happening now in our industry. Um, right. That, uh, it is a different world. You know, people kind of vision the, uh, you know, overalls and a hayseed, right. Yeah. And, a, and you know, and uh, and a pitchfork, and that's just not the not the way it is anymore. Um, right. And uh, and it's it's a it's a fascinating industry. Uh, but we, we but believe it or not, it does intersect. We we do we do intersect in the in the gaming space um, within right. our industry. And um, some of the different things that we do, and some groups that we work with, have really gotten into uh, a scenario gaming to to, to look at. The future of the industry, near-term future of the industry, and, and situations that might come our way, right? The black swan events, as they like to call them, right. um, and what then that might mean for our food supply, and what we should be doing on food policy to make sure that we can avoid things like the rush on toilet paper, you know, right. at uh, you know during COVID, which, by the way, right, comes from trees and comes from right. paper, It's also an agricultural product. So, well, you're so, speaking you know, you my have, language, definitely yeah, speaking
0: so, my language in the yeah, sense so, that you, exactly, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. I'm just uh-huh. excited. Um, yeah, you know, it, it's interesting that uh, you could definitely take game-based models, all the things that we do, and they're great ways of either predicting bad things that could happen or if the bad thing does happen, like, what do you do? So, funny story. Um, in, my, in my own sort of teaching, right, my students would joke with me because I would run a simulation about the plague, for years I did this, like where you are a community leader, plague has struck, and what kind of laws are you going to make? What kinds of consequences are you going to make if people break them? How are you going to try to combat it? So when COVID happened, I had like old students like joking with me, like, hey, like, should we go to Washington? Like, you know, how, you know, maybe, maybe we should go there and, uh, you know, maybe maybe help out a little, you know what I mean? So. <laughs>
2: Uh, yeah absolutely i mean you know it's it's it yeah it's interesting that you ran those you ran those models and then you know here here you go and right we went moved into a real world scenario and you know it, it is as terrible as kind of all those things were around coven what happened at the same time uh from our perspective from the agricultural perspective it was quite an opportunity for us to talk about the importance of food and food supply and supply chains and, yeah, and that's definitely. in fact uh the type of gaming that we've run uh there's a uh there's a consulting group that we work with now for a number of years, uh, and they're all former military intelligence guys, plus several guys from the Carlisle military um, uh, school, college. Uh, and those guys are wargamers. They're the guys who had organized wargaming through the through the military college at, at uh, in Carlisle. And they've now moved into the private sector and they run these scenarios for our industry. Um uh, as consultants to look at these different situations and then what would we do to react to it? And yeah. uh, it's fascinating work. They, they oh, bring yeah. us together uh, a national group. Uh, every, every fall, they do a national, one of these war games in Nashville, Tennessee, and they spend all this time. Uh, we, we put together these various scenarios and we have people from the very front of the food chain. So the, those providing fertilizers and seed um, and energy all the way through the farmer through the food processor through the food manufacturer through the grocery store through the, the food aid group and ultimately to the consumer and then if you have these different scenarios happen how does the industry react yeah um, and uh, it, it, tremendously uh, pressing and fun but also scary oh yeah really challenging uh, uh, scenarios that we go through in these wargaming pieces that those guys organize and they uh, they you're exhausted by the end of a couple days of those oh, but yeah they are really really telling
1: yeah and, uh, sure. In a tactile sense, how does that look? Like, how do these games look when, when you're trying to project um, kind of these crises to mitigate them? Yeah. I know you explained so, so, how it worked, but. <laughs> yeah.
2: So we usually have you know, between 60 and 100 people um, that are representative of, that are the actual executives, so senior level executives in each of these different areas of the food chain. Okay. So these are real people that make the real decisions. Uh, across the food chain. Um, so that's who's there that's participating. The group then runs this uh, through a series of, you know, the brief, the, the initial briefing, here's the scenario. Uh, and then they split you out by sectors of the industry. So, it, but, they, but they split it up. So they, you know, so, the, the, so it's the, the folks who are providing the inputs, they're all in one group, right? And then the farmers are in another group. And then the food processors are another group. The ag retailers are in another group, the consumers, the grocery stores, restaurants. So everybody's broken out into their groups. and there's there's half a dozen to a dozen uh, representatives from that industry in each sector. and And they split you up, right? And then they start asking you, you know, here's your resources, right? Here's the scenario. you're You're usually in separate rooms. Um, And then you're coming together to interact, to make pitches to each other about what you want um, uh, out of the uh, out of the scenario. And and you start asking for favors. Right. You start you start um, uh, kind of bidding against each other, sometimes uh, to get resources and sometimes. You know, to, to to push people away, uh, to put your typically to try to position your part of the industry as best as you can, because each of these groups are charged with representing their parts of the industry. But at the end of the day, we're trying to produce food. um. So it's so it's back and forth of trying to what's best for us, but also for the better good. Um. So very real world. Uh, and at the end of the day, we usually come together um, and there's a big room. They have a big table. We're rolling dice on probabilities of different situations, literally rolling dice. Um. So they have a big table mapped out. Um, It's got all the different sectors. Uh, We can put chips down, kind of bet on different types of things that we want to accomplish. And we're rolling dice and we're all then arguing for why we're making the decisions that we're making around that table. And the whole time they have kind of an army, literally, they got probably 30 or 40 of their consultants in the room uh, recording everything we're doing. And then they write and then at the end of the end of the game. They they tell you, hey, look, you'll get the final report in a couple of months, because then they analyze everything that we did, all of our decisions, uh, the different probabilities of different actions. And then they give us a final report uh, after, you know, a few months after the event happens uh, and they give you a write up and they tell you, here's kind of the major things we learned. Um, I'll give you an example. Um, the last one we did a year ago uh, was what if China invaded Taiwan And the current. Now, the game, though, wasn't about the actual military scenario. Right. The game was about um, this administration, not to be political, didn't react. So this administration let it happen. It let China take Taiwan. Well, then what did that happen? What what happened then from that? And what the scenario was is that you went into an immediate Cold War between China and the United States, a serious Cold War scenario. Uh, And it was a race then for resources around the globe for food production. That was our you know, how do we make sure, given that China, by the way, is our third largest food market where we sell product to, they're also one of the largest input uh, owners of a lot of the companies that we buy products from. If that's suddenly cut off uh, from the American farmer, um, uh, what do you do? Uh, and, you know, and what are the reactions? And with scramble for resources around the globe, this is what we got into. Um, so fascinating scenario uh, and fascinating. It's terrifying. Fight. Terrifying and, very, and can be very terrifying. Absolutely. Yeah. absolute. Yeah. So this there you go. That's a little fascinating. Taste yeah,
0: absolutely fascinating stuff. Um, These must be high level thinkers, especially the data collection part, because anybody can run a game. It's another yeah. thing to analyze what happens in the game and then actually put together like a comprehensive report that says, OK, now that you played this, like, here's what you need to kind of take away from it.
2: Oh yeah, Th- these are very high level. These are the highest level people. I mean, these are yeah. the people that everybody at that in that scenario have worked uh, I- at the highest level of the industry and are either currently in the highest level of the industry or retired from it recently, or still involved in it consulting. So these, yes, these these folks know what they're talking about. So <laughs> very much so.
0: I- I'm almost ready to talk about miniatures because this is this is this yeah. big stuff but when, so wait a minute so when you went to ohio state right did you know that you were going to get into this field
2: i knew growing up that i loved history right. um that i loved agriculture uh that i loved politics in policy but i had no idea what kind of career you could get into with that right um and as an FFA student, Future Farmers of America, this, this, you know, high school club that people may have heard of. Right. They wear these blue corduroy jackets, right? Um, right. They, uh, it's an old club. Uh, it's been around a long time, but it's, it's, it's a, it's a large, it's still a very large active, uh, club across America. We, I took advantage of a leadership, uh, a group that they, a course that they would run in Washington, DC when I was a sophomore in high school. And I, so my first trip to Washington was when I was like, uh, 15 or 16 and um and we spent the whole time running around Washington, learning about you know policy and politics and d c and history and 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 I just I just fell in love. that was it. like I knew somehow some way I needed to get back into this field, but I had no idea you know what kind of a job that could lead to and 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 you know here I am, you know uh, i'm fifty one uh, mm-hmm. so uh, so here I am 30 years later into my career. That's what I've been doing my whole life. Uh, and, it's, and, and and I love every aspect of working in agricultural policy.
0: And when you were in D.C., um, you don't have to use names or anything, but like what kinds of people are you talking – like who are you talking to when you're in D.C.? Like what level did you sort of get up to? I mean like are you sitting in the White House having these conversations or in the Senate
2: or – Yeah, so, so I worked uh, – uh, part of the time I was a, a private lobbyist, so I would lobby okay. – for the large the nation's largest agriculture organization. Um so I was one of their lobbyists, uh, on their lobby team. So, uh very much a very very long time respected, very powerful voice in Washington. So, uh so uh, so we were working daily with members of Congress and members of the Senate, absolutely both their staffs and with them directly. Um so very much so. Um when I moved over into the administration, uh, absolutely, yeah. It was, a, it was a White House political appointment, so I, oh, I spent. Cool. Uh, I was working for the U.S., but my appointment was at the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency. So mm-hmm. I was at the U.S. EPA doing agriculture policy. And you might think, well, wait a second, wait, why weren't you at USDA, the Department of Ag? Right. Um, I could have gone over there, um, but to be honest, uh, I kind of like the challenge uh, at yeah, U.S. EPA. Yeah. <laughs> um, we we have a lot of challenges over there, and uh, you know, in, in e- environment and agriculture, y- you know, it's one of the same, right? Like we're, you know, the the interact there and a lot of the things that EPA does involves agriculture so I was the I served as the uh, acting agriculture advisor there to the administrator uh, who at the time I was working for uh, former New Jersey governor uh, Christy Todd Whitman um, so you, you you might know Christy Todd Whitman or m- remember her um, uh, so I worked for her and then uh, Governor Mike Leavitt who used to be the Utah uh, governor uh, he came in uh, at EPA and then uh, and then finally Steve Johnson who's my third boss at EPA third administrator uh, but we spent a lot of time at EPA and then over at the White House uh, constantly on policy work. I worked with the uh, Council of Environmental Quality CEQ at the White House um, their office is right there on the uh, on the uh, on the square right behind the White House uh, just just off the front of the square there so we were over there two or three times a week for meetings um so absolutely yeah it was no, it was very cool. fun work very fun work yeah and, uh, and 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 you know and you're surrounded by history every day, right yeah. which was my other massive motivating factor to well, be right where i was
0: and we might be ready now right kelly are we ready <laughs> i think we are yeah kelly kelly's given the uh he's given yeah, the head yeah, we're, we're set <laughs> so all right so y- you've clearly led this wildlife of i don't know i mean it's it sounds to me exciting but also probably stressful are your miniatures your sort of like happy place absolutely all right so it's time let's do it you're growing up what are you playing i joke with
2: yeah i joke with some a couple there's a couple of my uh so my board of directors at the organization i work for now they're all farmers right they're all full-time farmers and and a couple of them do know my hobbies a couple of them do and and i and i joke with those two because the rest don't know my hobby and uh and i at least this one i I have a lot of hobbies but this was you know kind of one of those main therapy this is definitely a therapy as well right and um Uh, It's so funny because I joke with them all the time. I tell them so many of these guys don't know that when I'm on conference calls talking to them, that I'm actually painting miniature (laughs) soldiers. They they have no idea because I sit there and I paint while I'm talking on the, all the, you know, these endless conference calls. Um, But yeah, for me, it's, uh, for me, it's therapy uh, big time. Right. You know, I love uh, it. First off it it satisfies that creative side. Um, Definitely. I'm sure. You know uh, I love the hobby. I love, uh, history. We we grew up in the hobby. We've been we've all been uh, collecting these you know uh, miniature miniature wargaming soldiers since we were probably eight or nine years old, and uh, and you know and we've been part of it ever since. Uh, but right. uh, uh, but yeah, absolutely, yeah. So it's how, something that's my passion? For how it. did you get into it? You know this magazine right here. Here's my prop. Oh yes, <laughs> We had <laughs> those in the house. Digest. Yep. Yep. You guys know this one.
0: I Remember well, one? I my dad. Has been gaming since the seventies, so yeah, those those used to be in my house. That along with yeah. the Courier, um, yeah. you know, magazines like that.
2: Yeah. So this is the magazine. This is this was our gateway drug into yep. war gaming right here. This this we blame our whole group. We all blame this exact, not not you know, this exact magazine. It's this one right here. We, we yeah. found this one and the smokes. This is 1980. This was yep. December 1980. Um, we found this one in the local uh, hobby shop in Lancaster, Ohio here, uh, okay. called uh, Smokestack Hobbies. And it's literally Smokestack Hobbies that's right across from General William Tecumseh Sherman's boyhood home. It's wow. literally right across the street from it. Um, and we would go there as kids. And, and one day, me and my brothers found this magazine, and we bought it. And we were, and that was it. You know, That was it. But in the <laughs> back of this, we start looking at it. And in the yeah. back of this magazine was this ad for... Prince August Duncan Company, Prince August Miniatures. Um, and have you guys ever heard of this? This company? No,
0: that I have not heard of.
2: No, I've not me. heard you guys talk about. This is a fascinating company. They're out of Texas. Um, the the ad reads this. This is what got us. So you got to remember, we were farm kids in the eighties. Times right. were rough on the farm in the eighties. We didn't right. you didn't have a lot of spare dollars laying around. Um, right. And and what we saw was. This ad has said, "Cast your own 25 millimeter Napoleonics. Mm-hmm. Cast your own." We're like, "What? What? Yeah, it, we didn't know any better. We didn't know you actually could just buy miniatures. We didn't know that at the time. We're like, like, you can make these things. That's cool.' So, um, so we 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 sent in a, a you know a, a little note to them, and when they sent us back their catalog, right? You guys remember the big paper catalogs? Those I do. Yes. Yeah. I don't know about my, yeah, Kelly Kelly my time. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you get the paper catalog and you start going through, right. And you pick out what you want to order. Um, but this company, the Duncan company sells molds. So here's oh, one cool. of them. Um, so they would sell, uh, these molds. These were $10 each. This is what they used that's a rubber mold. Um, so you open them up. Uh, inside's the figure. You know. Right. You know this was yeah. a British. This is a British wine trooper from you know uh, from the Napoleonic era. But they'd sell these rubber molds. These were ten bucks each. You could get the metal bars then for two dollars each, um, and you melt them down on the stove. Not even kidding you. In your kitchen with this little pan. Yeah. So you would break the bars apart. You throw them in the pan, and you melt them down. You take the molds. You put the, you know, you put the little side pieces on this thing. I'm, I'm showing these guys in the, on the video, but I'll describe it. You know, Oh, this very right?
0: well may become yeah. a little clip because I think people should see this.
2: Yeah. So then you, you put the clamp on this sucker, and, and you have this little mold, and then you pour in the metal. You know, literally the hot metal. You're made. So my, my mother, God bless her, um, she trusted us. We, we were eight, nine, and ten years old, my, me and my brothers. And we ordered this kit, and we started making soldiers, which was fascinating. We didn't burn the house down or anything. But then, you know, you get a figure out of it. And, uh, you know, here's one of the, here's one of the figures. Um, they were kind of a true 25-millimeter figure. Um, and, and we cast around 700 of these uh, by cavalry and artillery. And, you know, here's, here's one of the cavalry figures. Um, but you can cast these things on your own. Um, so you break them out of the mold, you know, and and then you paint them up, right? And uh, for us, it was cheap. We could make a bunch of these, and they look pretty good. Um, but they were, uh, you know, they were a bargain. Uh, and, and so we would order more metal, and we got more of our buddies into it. And you know, we were we were literally, you know, running a you know running a, a factory in our kitchen at the farm. And it was it was fabulous. Um, we still have the whole collection today. I look every year to storecon in the flea market to see. If you ever see these for sale, you just never see them. It's kind of fascinating to me. Now, interestingly, Google Duncan Company, Prince Prince August molds—they're still in business. They were bought and moved to uh, uh, Tennessee, um, but you can still buy these exact molds and a whole bunch more that they've made ever since in the metal and make your own miniatures, which is pretty wild. I, you don't see many other companies out there doing that.
1: So, are, are you still doing that today?
2: <laughs> no. <laughs> but i keep the artifacts
1: (laughs) yeah it's pretty
0: that's really really cool um and you know it's it's funny i don't remember the name of that company but you're right it may have been off the top of my head it may have been martin from peter pig who was talking about because i i remember him talking about casting figures back in the day i think that's where this came up on the podcast so that's i mean that's just very very cool and again um you know, selfishly, I think Kelly, you know, we're definitely gonna definitely going to have to turn this bit into a little bit of a video for our, yeah. for our YouTube channel. Cause that was just very cool. Cause again, I've been doing this for a really long time, but i never actually seen what those little modes look like. So very, very cool. So, yeah. so, okay. So I'm definitely getting a pretty clear picture here, right? So you're casting, I mean, you said you cast something like 700 figures. I definitely have a a sense of getting into the hobby. Now, did yeah. you continue doing the hobby all the way through the time that you were in D.C. and in China? Or is it something more you picked up when you went back after you were done with D.C.? I
2: was always doing the hobby. Always um, doing it. Gotcha. Always doing the hobby. Yep. In different, different ways, right? Um, you know, in, in D.C., uh, I didn't, didn't have the, you know, the, the gaming boards or anything there, uh, but painted a lot. Yeah. Um, collected and painted a lot. And of course, you know, Hey, we were close to a uh, Lancaster, Pennsylvania from DC. So the was easy. Um, so we were up there quite often. So, you know, and then some, some good hobby shops around the DC area, I'd go pick up some stuff and order stuff. So yeah, always was involved in it. So never really stopped. I mean, uh, yeah. uh, when I was in, uh, Europe. Um, I, I, you know, and in China, I didn't really do much work when I was in those places on the hobby, but I still collected some stuff. I, I would yeah. pick up stuff. You know, it was kind of fun. You know, I, I'd pick up some miniatures. I'd find some. They weren't really wargaming miniatures, right? But they were collectible uh, military miniatures that I would find um, in those in those places and grab some of those. And those are still on my shelves today. Um, yeah. But um, you know, so you know, you're always looking, right? You know, as oh, a, definitely as somebody Hundred oh, percent. Yeah, you know, you're always kind of looking. So, yeah, but but we also spent a lot of that time doing more of the history and the research, right, on mm. things uh, when we were there. Um, uh, in Europe, uh, in Napoleon, get, you know, your guys', your guys uh, episode on Napoleon, I, I loved your podcast on, on the Napoleon. Thank you. Napoleon. That was fabulous. You guys, that was a great conversation. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Very <laughs> really enjoyed listening to that. And, and it reminded me, when I was in Europe, I, I went out, I tried to get out to the Austerlitz battlefield because I was in Czechoslovakia, I was in Prague, um i was there when the country split in 92. so i was there that summer when all the people were taken to the streets and volakob havel said i don't want to be the president over a combined country anymore um and i want to you know and, and if and if you know and, and if uh, uh, the country splits i'm stepping down and he did and we went down and I actually watched him step down we went down to winslaw's castle and watched him step down and leave the castle um and, and a few weeks after that i'm like i got to get out to the Austerlitz battlefield uh, and this was, you know, 1992, there were no cell phones, there was no internet. I found a little flyer that there actually was a Australitz battlefield park. Mm. I didn't even know if that existed, but there was, um, and I jumped on a train and I had my backpack and I went to the little town of Slavkov, which is close by the battlefield, jumped off the train at about 10 PM at night. Um, and, uh, thought there was a hotel there. Uh, turns out the hotel had been closed for many years oh, and, uh, yeah. And, and it was, it was, you know, so we got there. It was fabulous. Uh, uh, you know, I didn't know what I was going to do, but I met a local guy who was on the train with me. Uh, he put me up uh, and then took me on a tour of the battlefield the next two days with he and his daughter. Absolute, absolute blast. Um, yeah. and, uh, you know, but the things like that, you know, whenever, wherever I've been, I've tried to get out, you know, and see the history, right? And see the lay of the land in particular, you know, yeah. that come, kind of brings us back to the terrain and the miniature. No, for something. sure.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, it's funny when you go to battlefields, right? You see the importance of geography where even a small dip in the ground or a fence or a wall can make the difference between winning and losing in small engagements or even in big engagements,
1: you know? Yeah or made yeah. trenches like a napoleon oh god
2: absolutely <laughs> please oh man don't give me started <laughs> no 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 we don't need to go there so it's funny get, is that this yeah,
1: will release ahead. in like a couple like you know when it releases so i'm just reopening a wound for people <laughs> yes <laughs> so i have to ask yeah. what was the tour like i mean
2: what was your impression yeah at the battlefield Oxford, yeah 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 it was it was fantastic. Um, there's a few little museums there, um, so some of the buildings and things, you know, are still there, um, which is terrific. Um, but you know, you do see that the ridge lines, right? So, so, so being able to see that contour of the battlefield um, and, and where the troops advanced, right, and where Napoleon had placed his troops, right, and then and and then where, uh, you know, where the others advanced on him, and watching uh, how those armies approached, and then of course, you know, left that battlefield. Um, was was terrific to see that, right? Because I've read the books, so I kind of had a pretty good idea of how the battle unfolded. But, you know, you don't really quite... I've always loved this. You don't quite understand all that until you get to the site itself.
0: Yep. And then, man,
2: all of a sudden, everything changes again, right? Because now you're like, you know, now it's like, oh my God, I can totally see, right? Like, why he positioned here, and why he put artillery over there, and why he wanted to, you know, protect this approach in this space. That was awesome, and we do that a lot. Like me and me and all my buddies here in the in the group. Um, Gettysburg is our mecca. You know, we, we go oh, there yeah. quite often, right? And, and, and but but we go to all the Civil War battlefields and and, and others too. Other errors, but it is always fascinating when you go to the battlefields, right, and study those contours. And I think maybe as a farmer, you know, I love I love the contour. I, I love yeah. to see land. I love to see how the land affects um, uh, how uh, military operations unfold, um, how people place their defenses, how they. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll go on the offense, uh, what a stream might matter over here, right, or a tree line over there or a fence over there, um, why that matters. And I think that's a big deal. And, so, and I think that finds its way onto our boards, right? That That's what really finds its way onto our wargaming boards is a lot of this type of experience that we all love to have, which is going out and studying these battlefields and understanding what happened and why and how the environment impacted that.
1: Yeah. Like, so my work, I dabble a little bit in historic preservation. So that includes buildings, but also like the, the geography of the land. Um, so how does like your, like, how did Austerlitz in that sense compare to a place like Gettysburg?
2: Very similar, although not nearly as much of the, um, the monuments, you, know, you know, Gettysburg, right. Is like, you know even in even in the us right i mean if you go to all the battlefields like i know you guys have probably been to many um you, you know uh, you have all the monuments and everything is laid out right there's all kinds of information showing you exactly where you know the left side of this regiment was and the right side of that regiment was right and um, not quite like that right in austerlitz it's there the park is there there's some really cool stuff and really cool monuments and some museums but but other than that it's it's pretty natural state you know it's a pretty natural state it's not you know, it's not, you know, lines of monuments and lines of, you know, information explaining it. So you kind of have to have a little bit better idea of what you're looking at when you're there and make sure you got those guides in your hand because you're, you're driving along the roads, but you, you better have your information with you to understand it a little bit better than, than you would at maybe some of the U.S. battlefields, I would say.
0: Yeah. You know what you have me thinking about too? Cause I don't know if you've ever been in this situation, but you know, it's funny. War gamers are funny, you know, like, kind of like as in like an armchair general. And we often, when we're gaming, we make these decisions, um, so simply. And we're so judgmental of how commanders, you know, operate, you know, on a battlefield. And it's funny, like going to Gettysburg and standing on little round top and looking down. Um, on one hand, you could kind of say, like, you, you guys had to have been out of your mind coming up this area, right, I meaning the Confederates. But at the same time, you know, with limited information and not really having a full picture of really what's kind of happening, you can kind of see how you can get sucked into something like that, meaning like as a commander. I mean, again, I've never been in the Army, but um, I have certainly played enough games and done en- enough research. Um, do you know what I mean?
2: absolutely yeah and, and that's the part where as i'm reading any book about a battle um mm-hmm. or about a some kind of historical engagement or event uh, i am always fascinated by those little details that sometimes yeah. you look for right that describe those little situations around the battlefield that matter so much and um uh, and you know, my brothers and I, we were pretty young. Uh, we were we were once we once we got our driver's licenses, <clears throat> kind of 15, 16, and, and some of the other guys that are in the in the war gaming group with us, we all we all got into civil war reenacting uh when we were younger and we started driving around, right? And we'd go to these reenactments all over the place. And and um, you know, and you're out there kind of living in the tent and doing these things, I don't do I don't do any of that stuff anymore. But I loved doing it back in the day. And um um and we would travel all over, right, in, in all these fields, and you would see all these things, right? You you would see uh, the wilderness and how difficult it was, right, to see through the woods, you know, and and in, in in areas and in, in in these ridge lines in the, you know, the walking in walking in old leather shoes up a hillside through rocks and boulders and and briars and in the wood lines and understanding how freaking difficult that really is,
0: yeah, carrying <laughs> oh, a very
2: heavy musket in your in your wool clothes getting caught on all this brush and you're trying to and and guys are shooting at you, right, like. When you, when you put yourself in that, it, it's kind of, it, it changes a lot of perspective, right, on, on how these things unfolded, um, and also how people dress. I mean, that was another thing, too, right, is a love about, you know, kind of seeing these things, is you got, you start to see the real detail and how an army uh, dresses officially that you see in the books, right, um, but then, as you see more, once you get on campaign, right, everything changes, and you know, and and how those uniforms would evolve and deteriorate, and and how you know they would they would weather, and, and you know. So, what does an army really look like after it's been in the environment for a long time? And, and that that is a fascinating part of, of what me and I know our group really loves to focus on. You know, right? Here's the standard photo, but we know that evolved, right? Right. And, yeah. and you see, and there, and, and a great thing is now there's so many great resources out there now, right? About about what armies really look like as they evolve through campaigns and. To me, that's another absolutely fascinating piece that goes right along hand in glove with the terrain side of things.
0: Yeah. And on that note, it's a nice transition into your wargaming group, right? Because that is definitely something that I noticed particularly about your World War One board. And just the level of detail and the level of, I'll use this word, almost authenticity, right? To the way that you kind of set your games up. And I guess so, so on that note, right, for our audience out there. Could you explain what the Thomas Hill Wargamers, like the modern club, like what it looks like?
2: Yeah. And how yeah, it functions? It's a group of, yeah. We are, we are the most laid back group of dudes. <laughs> we, yeah. Uh, you know, like I said, we we mostly childhood friends. Now actually some of our kids uh, are are in it too. So one of my nephews is very actively involved with our group. Uh, my son, he, he, he'll game with us on occasion, although he's off in school and college uh, and far away, unfortunately. Uh, right. But um. Uh, But uh, yeah, it's, it's me and my brothers. So there's, there's the four of us plus uh, a half a dozen other guys um, here from the neighborhood. Uh, Again, all guys we grew up with. So there's kind of a core group of about 10 or eight or 10 of us uh, that are together quite often, but there's, uh, there's a number of other folks who kind of come and go all the time. Uh, Not really go. They just, they just, on occasion, they play with us, uh, you know, holidays in particular, a lot of these, a lot of our buddies uh, who grew up with us playing risk you know, and, and some of these some of these other board games, um, you know. Now they're they'll come back and play. Maybe at the holidays, we'll get together and we'll play a, a large game. And some of these guys will come and play with us, and their kids too. Some of their some of their boys and others will come play with us too. So, so we're a very casual group. Um, and Thomas Hill, uh, the name comes from literally the road that our that our main farm sets on. So it, it's Thomas Hill Road. And, and oh, that's me cool. and my. Me and my brothers, there's the three of the four of us live here. We build our houses and our families. We live here at the farm in different areas of the farm. And, uh, so that's where it got its name because, uh, we all have big setups in the basements and, uh, and then so do our other buddies at their places, but we play a lot here. And somebody at one point said, Hey, we should just start. We should just call the car group the Thomas Hill, uh, you know, war gamers. And so it's stuck, but, uh, but, uh, uh it, it, so it's a very informal group. Uh, but we're very, we're, we are, we're all the way in on the hobby. Um, uh, we do it, you know. We we work on these big projects together, as well as a lot of individual projects. Um, we uh, we we all, you know, big most of us, big group of us, go to Historicon every year. Yeah, I don't think we've missed an Historicon since probably the mid '90s. Um, so uh, so we've been going there uh, every year. But we don't really run games. I mean, to be honest, we're very informal in that regard. We, you know, actually that World War One board we took out there was one of the first times we've actually taken a participation a game out and done something with it there. Uh, and I think it's just, you know, as we've gotten older, you, you know, we, you know, we, we we love to share it more. And uh, you know, so we set up the Instagram site. We started sending in some articles to magazines. We started, you know, putting things out there and taking some things to some of these um, uh, some of these conventions. Because you know, we're kind of older mature guys now, right? And 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 playing is fun, but we like to we like to get other people, you know, involved and, and have other people see and be able to enjoy this stuff because it's fun for us to play it, but it's even funner when you see other people, you know what Definitely. I mean? When, you know, I do know what get you get mean. Yeah, it, you know, more totally. than you
1: think. Yeah, yeah. How Absolutely. often are you guys uh, getting together to game? I mean, since you all so close.
2: Yeah. Probably Yeah, all the time. Yeah. I mean, all the time. There's two, there's anywhere from a couple of us to a larger group of us together every few weeks, you know, Um, and, and we're, and we, we, you know, we're frankly interacting constantly. I mean, we're, you know, like everybody else, like we got our text group. So, there's not a day that doesn't go by when there's 20 techs on there people update you know, just updating each other about our projects even though we're only a few miles apart um but uh you know so we're dropping stuff off at each other's houses all the time two of the guys have you know got into 3d printing pretty heavily so two of the guys are running 3d printers constantly right in their places and we're we're moving stuff around you know i got a note from one of my buddies this morning he built me two of the world war ii the ducks you know, for my Pacific Marines mm. and he's bringing them over tomorrow. Hey man, I'll bring those over tomorrow. So oh, that's cool. So we're, we're interacting every day. Absolutely. It's literally
0: the definition of like a, a community. I mean, that's what it yeah. sounds like to me. Yeah. I have to ask though, yeah.
2: I have to Absolutely. ask you
0: before, cause I want to know what I know a little bit about your projects, but we'll get into that in a second. What is it like gaming with your brothers? I mean, are you savages with each other? Like, do you, <laughs> do you get cutthroat or is it more like gentle or somewhere in the
2: middle or what? It is is nowhere near gentle. I mean, Uh, you know, we're brothers. That's what I assumed. (laughs) We're we're brothers that grew up playing football and hockey and everything else against each other. And we get into shooting sports and we collect historical firearms. And we're we're a pretty aggressive group of people. (laughs) I'm so... You know, there's a lot of smack talk. I That's mean, it funny. just never, it never, the banter never ends.
0: You realize yeah. we're going to come visit and play a game this summer. Like, I'm sorry, you, you but you like, should. I'm inviting myself to your home. <laughs> Please. Ellie and I are going to drive are, to Ohio.
2: <laughs> you guys are always welcome. Absolutely. Yeah, this is, uh, this is too cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: no, very, very, very cool. Okay, <laughs> so look, I'm. I'm, I'm, I'm tongue twisting myself here because I have so many thoughts. Um, okay. So we got to back up for a second. So I, again, I'm imagining you and your savage brothers kind of going at it. Um, okay. Tell me about the projects that you like. Like, is there a a particular, uh, time period or era that you really like, or are you kind of all over the place or what?
2: Yeah. You know, we started off when we were, you know first off, I mentioned the Napoleonics, right? So when we first started wargaming, it was Napoleonics. We love the old movie Waterloo. You know that it's like, you know, that one's a, now. There's a movie, right?
0: There's yes. a movie. Oh my God! I um, yeah. used to watch it once a week.
2: Exactly right, and and we loved that movie, and that's why we bought these molds, right, and started making these Napoleonics. So we were we we're very heavy into Napoleonics and Civil War. Then uh, we uh, we found that we could actually buy these little fifteen millimeter, you know, Civil War figures way back in the day and they were pretty cheap so we could afford those and, and we bought them and, you know, and, and so those were the heavy and we still are, we still do, we still dabble in both of those eras always have always will. Um, but, uh, uh but you know, uh, the rest of the crew, they, they stick pretty heavily into, um, world war two. Um, uh, I've got them all into world war one heavily here the last several years. Cause that's one of my major passions. Yep. Um, uh, but you know, uh, it, it, I, I'm I'm the one who probably veers them off into all these unique spots, Um, although they're not hard to persuade, you know. But
0: <laughs> the best kind <laughs> of gamers,
2: <laughs> you know, somebody's got to be a leader, right? So somebody, and, and my and one of my brothers, he's you know he's that guy who he's never found a miniature he doesn't like, and, yeah. You know, and he's like, hey man, that's pretty cool. Let's just buy those and do those, right? And. You know, and um so so it takes us a lot of different places. but um, but you know, um, uh, so we, we you, you kind of name the era we we we're probably have a collection of it somewhere uh, between the group. Um, mainly historical for me, uh, the rest of the group does a lot of the games workshop, 40k they they do they do a, a ton of that stuff too, although we don't post a lot of that because we we post a lot more of there's a few of those on there on occasion, uh, but but mainly we we really share more on the historical side.
0: Yeah. So, do but, do each uh, of you have gaming spaces, or is like do. their one play? Oh, so, no. you, so you guys can
2: rotate, or mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, that's yeah, cool. Yeah, everybody hosts, you know. So, yeah, you know, over time, right? You know, when uh, it was, we as we've uh, uh, built our houses and you know and different things. Uh, absolutely, there's a dedicated space. Everybody's got one, right? Yeah, so. you know, I
0: gotta say, uh, you're Adam. You're you're lucky that this podcast isn't that big yet, because I feel like it, you're you are You know, if the war gamers hear about your community, it's like you're going to start to see houses sort of pop up, you know, like retired folks that are looking for a game. All of a sudden, it's going to be like Joe Rogan going to Austin or like Dave Chappelle moving to Ohio. It's like all the comedians follow, you know. There's going to be a totally. lot of messages
1: coming in on Instagram, like yeah, "Hey, yeah. I live in Ohio." <laughs> yeah, it's like Field Dreams, like you know, with travel. the line of cars, like going into the, you know, <laughs> see the game or whatever. That's going to be you.
2: <laughs> there you go. There we go. Yeah, yeah. My my wife was yeah, she wasn't overly thrilled when we built our new house, and I and I said, look, look, honey, there's a part of the basement down here that it's going to be my room. And and it's going to be carpeted and and it's going to be finished and it's going to actually have sunlight come in it. Cause you know, a lot of, a lot of wargaming rooms never see the light of day. Right. Um, So it's a walkout basement. And I said, look, we're designed. So I literally building this house, I designed a room in the, you know, that's about a third of the basement. That's strictly for the hobby. And and I still catch a hard time for that as you (laughs) might've. But she's very tired And I, I appreciate that. <laughs> no, I'm sure. I'm sure. Um,
0: so let me ask you, I used the word kind of professional earlier. You you guys strike me as a very professional group, especially in the sense that you are putting yourselves out there, meaning there are going to be young people that are listening to this podcast that look you guys up, and it's like they're going to see your World War One board, and they're going to want to build their own, right? So I think that's a a, a wonderful thing. And I guess my question is, I mean, do you imagine that your group is going to do more of this? Like are you going to try to write more articles or run more
2: games at a con? I, I I think so. Yeah, I think we do. Uh, you know, um uh, not a ton. Um yeah. we're we're you know, we love the hobby. Um mm. we're not we're not necessarily professionals at sharing it real well, although we yep. we like to. Um uh we have uh, uh, in the group, uh, one of my brothers is a, is a high school teacher. He's an ag education oh, that's teacher. Cool. Another one of the guys in the group is a high school history teacher. So so we do have a couple teachers in the group, right? Yeah, but, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we, I, you know, I think as we've gotten older, like I said, and we enjoy sharing it more uh, instead of just playing the games, right? Building and playing it, but sharing it too. So hopefully it is inspirational to people um, and especially young people, but anybody, you know, I, I, we hope it is. But, you know, because I, I, and the reason why I think I love doing it and I know the rest of the group loves doing it because we love to get ideas from others too, right? So, oh, yes we love throwing it out there. And man, I just, I can't wait to see what people were always posting about what they're, what it's in the magazines to inspire us to. Right. So, yeah. so just kind of keep pushing it forward. And we love the detail, you know, as you can tell, right. We love the detail and um, uh, now, but we're not button counters per se. Right. Like right. I'm not counting stitches on uniform. I'm not that kind of guy, you know, we're not yeah. that kind of guy, but we love to make sure the game itself is as real as it can feel on the board that's something that we we love doing and uh right. and yeah i think the more we can share with that the more the more we'll do so i don't i don't have a ton of time i got a lot of you know a lot of different things going on in my life and so of all well, the rest of the crew so i don't have a, i frankly don't have as much time as i would like to yeah. do articles and to do more conventions i would love to have more time to do that and hopefully in the future I, we will hopefully we'll have yeah. more time to do more that. yeah so so in terms
0: of future projects or things that are sort of upcoming so i I mean, is it fair to fair of me to assume? I mean, I guess you guys are going to go to Astorcon this coming summer.
2: Oh yeah, we'll be there.
0: Do you have any <laughs> thoughts on something that you might run?
2: Um, I was considering actually bringing the big the big World War One board back out again. Yeah, um, and, and actually setting it up uh, um, uh, somewhere, uh, you know, in the gaming area. You know, this last time we had it uh, there in the uh, Failings Consortium's booth yep. is where we had it set. You know, there in the in the vendors area, um, and we just kind of did demos and stuff with it there with uh, for Blood and Valor with Firelock, yes. and uh, so we did that there with it. But I'd like to just bring it back and let people play with it. Yeah, you know, it's funny.
0: Weekend,
2: you They're know? wild yeah.
0: dudes. I don't know <laughs> if when your yes, episode they comes, they are wild. Kelly, you weren't there for that interview. I feel <laughs> like. I don't know if they're close to my age. I'm not sure. I just feel like if I ever went to Florida and hung out with them, either I wouldn't come back or I'd get in a lot of trouble. That that's and by the way, Firelock Games, I love you guys. Like this is not a dig. You know, um, they're wild people.
2: They are. They are uh, Rufus and Mike and the rest yeah, of yeah, yeah, yeah. They are, they, they are a yeah. wild crowd of guys. Uh, yeah, they're fun. <laughs> they're they really fun. are. Yeah, but I, I hear you. I, I same thing. I was like, if I go to Florida, would I would I hang out with them? I absolutely would. But you're right. I'm not sure I'd either come back yeah. or you know what I need bailed out at the end of the but, trip. Um, see, here's the thing. I Great I've cash. always known
0: about them. I've always known about Firelock Games. Um, but I were both of them at Historicon, the last Historicon? Were they there in yeah. their booth? They, were yeah, there. they were there. Okay. Yeah, yeah, they so were Okay. Yeah, so it's just... Because I remember, Kelly, correct me if I'm wrong, you bought some of their rule sets this past yeah, summer Yeah, you I were bought, walking um, around.
1: Yeah, I got their base rule set, and then I later purchased their expansion for the World played, War One.
0: You had played Blood and Valor once before, I guess? Uh, in twice. The, with the club twice
1: before? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's sort of like World War I's rule set.
0: Yeah. And and Adam, um, yeah. is that your go-to? Like, that's what
2: you it like is. to fight? yeah. Well, you know, we we you know, of course, we bought the uh, uh, uh the the pirates first, right? You know, yeah. we uh, the group got into the pirates first, right? So uh uh, it's so blood and valor. So we started with that, and um uh or, or, uh, uh, uh uh, the, the oh gosh. Uh, the pirate, the pirate game. What's the pirate game's name? It's I think blood, blood and, and plunder. plunder. Blood and plunder. Thank blood you. Blood and oh, plunder. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Blood and plunder. It's too early in the morning. Still blood and plunder. <laughs> um, so it, it, we we just liked we, we kind of liked the simplicity of the game to a an mm-hmm. degree, um, and, and the dice and and you know and kind of the way it it, it rolled. So. So we really like blood and plunder, and then we, and then we moved over uh, to blood and valor uh, and blood yep. and steel now too. We've got blood and steel as well. Um, but, but you know I was I, I'm big into World War One, loved World War One always have had a fascination, wanted to do more gaming with World War One. but as you guys know so well, World War One's kind of a tough thing to do. oh game. yeah. yep. and you know and, and there never was a lot of options out there, and there never was a lot of figures out there per se. There was there were some good ones, but not yeah. a ton. And, um, and, and so as I was building this, this board and I was looking for rules, you know, and I, and I got two fat lardies uh, through the mud and the blood. Right. Yep. And, uh, I bought that rule set and I bought blood and valor and I started reading them both and trying to figure out like which one would be, you know, kind of a least complex, I'm, I'm kind of a simple rules guy. I, I want a game to flow and have fun. I, I want it to, I want tactics and dice to determine versus who knows the rule set better. That's kind yeah, of, my, right. that's kind of my style. And, um, and so we were, we were trying to find the best game for that. And Blood and Valor just, it was so, you know, it's a very simplistic game in that regard, it, but it's got enough of that realism and dice rolling. And it's very straightforward. And we play tested it a few times on the board and it's like, man, this is perfect. So, yeah. So, yeah. So we've become big fans of that, of that. And now the expansion, the end of empire expansion. Um yep. And that's, that's where they, you know, they, those guys, you know, i would shared with them some stuff. and just to be real clear, I have zero financial interest in, and firelock games i have there is no connection with us and that company um, other right. than we're just big fans uh, uh, so i'll put that waiver out there there's nothing um <laughs> they you know um they uh, uh we get no royalties we get nothing from any of this stuff but we, we've given them uh um uh, photographs and of course in the end of empires expansion that kelly you were just talking about um, they used a bunch of our photos in there uh, of, the, oh, of cool. the board so a bunch of the photos in there of, of our, our board, and you'll see in the front of the book they gave us, they gave me and um, uh, and they gave me credit for that, which I really appreciated. I wasn't expecting that actually. I sent them the photos, and again, they're great guys. I sent them the photos. And I said, "Hey, you guys can use these. Feel free." Well, next thing I know, you know, Rufus sends me a complimentary copy of the rules, and in the front, you know, for art and for photographs, he gave me credit. I really that was really cool. I uh, wasn't That's expecting really cool. that. We. Yeah. Should- we, we do, you know, we send in these articles, we, we give stuff. I just gave them actually a whole bunch more photos for another expansion they're working on um, that I, I can't talk about, but, but, you know, I send, send a whole bunch of stuff for that, that I think they're going to use some of that too for that one, but we don't get any, there's no payment for any of that though, from us. We just love the hobby and love sharing our stuff with yeah, them. And they, sure. can, they can use it fabulous. And they do, uh, which yeah. is really cool.
0: I share your fascination with world one. And I often joke, I, I mean, Seeing World War One games as like a little kid going to you know Cold Wars in particular is pretty much like what put me on my career path. You know, o- almost all of my graduate work was about the World War One era. You know, really? I have yeah. World War One in like five different scales. You know,
2: oh that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, I,
0: yeah. It's it, but you're right though. It is yeah really tough to game. You know, I even um the really abstract games kind of like a high organizational level so for example like a game like great war spearhead which i really like that game but even that the it's great because it reflects the difficulties of fighting a world war one battle in in a big way which makes it awesome but you almost like set it up and if you're attacking you almost know like this ain't gonna work out you know which can be a little
2: defeating exactly and you know and you think of world war one it's like okay trenches you go over the top you get mowed down how fun can that be wargaming and you yeah. know but that was part of why i built the board uh yeah. was was because of what you just spoke about these challenges and 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 i i thought you know if you're gonna do it go all the way and um yeah. you know and it, and it was one of those things right like, i'm gonna build the board i'm gonna i'm gonna make it the worst conditions that you ever found on a world war one battlefield so it's muddy it's snowy it's wet um there's 28 millimeter rats running around, you know, <laughs> in the areas. And there's, no, it's fun. You know, there's, yeah. There's, there's, you know, shredded forests and blown up churches, and there's, you know, there's a graveyard that's been artilleryed, and there's, you know, there's all those details that I found in books, and uh, you know, I took quotes out of a lot of my favorite World War I books to build the board from. So, so I, I took these specific details that authors would mention, and that's, and that literally is what the board is built from. Gotcha. Uh, from each of those mm. different spaces. So, you know, some of those terrific books out there, you know, Robert Graves' Goodbye to All of That, you know, which is kind of classic World War I British memoir, you know, uh, or Ernst Younger's Storm of Steel. Yep. Um, you know, I, I pulled uh, Robert Byrd's book, each of those guys' books, and they they share so much detail about the trenches. In, in, in the life in the trenches and the things that the soldiers experienced and would see. And that's what I like to take. And, and you'll see in the in the article in War Games Illustrated, you know, I put a lot of those quotes in there from the book that match up with the different parts of the board. And, and again, just bring it to life, right. And, and tell the story and tell it in, in frankly, all of its horrific detail of what these people dealt with. And it's still a game, right? Like, so I love it as a game, but, I, but I kind of felt like if you're going to build it, build it all away, you know, yeah. and, uh, and put that detail in there um, and, and as, as kind of a, that artist side of me, man, I just love the detail and put the history in there. Uh, but you'll see in the article, those quotes, um, and, and a number of those are, are fascinating. My, one of my favorites, right. Was the, was about the, the rats, right. And, um, you know, you can't have World War I without rats, right? Like, you yep. know, you, every book they talk about this kind of stuff, Holy right. Uh, but, <laughs> but, you know, Ernst Younger has that great quote in his book. It says this, I'll read it to you. It says, um, that's what we do uh, uh rats rats we go after with steel traps admittedly the beasts are so strong that they try to take the traps and run off with them uh and then and then he moves on and says that noisy effort brings us charging out of our bunkers to finish them off with clubs yeah and it's like you it just it's so brutal, right? But it's also so real what these guys had to deal with. Oh, so. for sure. It reminds yeah. me
0: of that scene from one of the All Quiet on the Western Front versions. I think the 1939 version, there's that really famous scene that kind of shows exactly yep. what you're talking about, you know? Yep. Really miserable. I mean, any war would be miserable to kind of fight in, even, regardless of whatever patriotism you might feel uh, for being involved. Obviously, there, there's that element, right? But... I mean, just miserable. And World War One's a bad one. You know, right, right. I mean I mean, yeah. there are certainly others that are pretty bad too. Um, but but World War One in particular really is just, you know, the life expectancy of somebody on the front line is pretty low.
2: Just just terrific. And you know, and you and you look at all the different things. And that's what we really want to incorporate all this into this this table. So if you're gonna do it, do it right, right? Do it all the way. And yeah. um, and, and, you know, it was one of those things you kind of dreamed about for a long time. Like I was like, eh, someday I'm going to build that ultimate board, right. For World War One, just because I love the era so much. Uh, and, and so, the, yeah, so it took me about a year, you know, to build it. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's quite a, you know, you, you saw it, I believe they're right at a store. Yes. I think you, you got to see it, but you know, I built over 13, you know, 1300 homemade sandbags. There's, you know, there's yeah. like seven foot of trench and, you know, there's just the detail is, is, is enormous. Um, it's about 700 painted figures. Of, uh, uh, at this point, uh, we added Eastern Front now. Nobody's seen that yet because there's an article coming um, uh, in that regard out there. Uh, uh, so I'll, I'll talk more about that in the future. But um, uh, we got an Eastern Front version of that now coming out. So, uh, so that's going to be kind of cool. Uh, but we made the board. I made the boards so there some interchangeable pieces. So you can go mm-hmm. Western Front, Eastern Front. Um, so uh, uh, so a quick a quick couple flips, and all of a sudden it's Eastern Front. Um, so uh, you know that was that was part of the planning as well. But the bunker detail, um, you, you, you I assume you've seen the pictures of the bunkers. Same thing. I took these quotes, uh, you know, from some of these guys from their books to build the bunkers out. Um, and you know, uh, Robert Graves has some great quotes where he's talking about, you know, he goes into these timber-filled bunkers. And, and they're lined with whiskey bottles and shelves of books and magazines and tablecloths and real detail, right? Of what was in a World War I bunker. And, uh, you know, so I built seven bunkers right into the board and, um, some of them have a lot of detail in them. And, um, you know, those are the kind of things that bring the game to life for me, right? And, and for our buddies and, uh, and for all of our younger kids who are, who are now gaming with us. Um, you know, they, they, they learn from that. So I love putting that into the, the boards. And the more I'm, that in my mind the better.
1: I'm I'm looking at that. You have an image on your Instagram inside the German Great War HQ bunker. And yeah. as you described, it's all there. You have like little bowls of fruit. You have like um buying liberty bond papers, like all like are, <laughs> are you guys also like modelers as well? Or is this just a love for the period and a love for the, the content that you're working with?
2: Yeah, we, we used to be. Uh, we grew up building model airplanes a lot, you know, that kind of thing. Um, never really railroads and stuff like that, even though I always admired railroad builders. You know, I always admired the detail, right, of what railroad builders did. And, and I always loved like, gosh, I really want that on the wargaming table, you know. Um, so that's what we do now. Right. So, I mean, the inspiration definitely came from from, you know, that type of you know that hobby. And putting it in there, but right. And but you know now there's more of that kind of detail available out there. Um, You know, a tiny furniture company, you know, is where a lot of that stuff comes from. You know, those guys. You know, as you see more and more of these companies kind of offering all these pieces that you can buy and add in as detail. You know, it's made wargaming board terrain building a lot easier um, and a lot more. You know, a lot more uh, uh, opportunities to build this kind of detail. Now, the posters, the maps. You know, I download all that stuff from museums. You know, those are all. They're all real, you know. I uh, the World War One Museum, uh, Jared. You might have been to it. Have you been to the World War One Museum you know in Kansas it's funny, City?
0: I have not. I. Oh, it's funny you bring you got that a up. Pil- you got a
2: pilgrimage there. So you really I know
0: do. I, what I. I was in contact with them. Correct me if I'm wrong. It's in. I, it's KC, right? It's in Kansas City. Kansas right? City. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Years ago, I think it was pre-COVID. I had been in talks with the museum to do some game-based learning stuff to kind of come in and run a game. So I don't know, like I've gotten bad with this. Like I, often when I look, I, it's almost like mixing work and pleasure, I guess. There's a huge part of me that just wants to go for the sake of going, you know? But then mm-hmm. there's another big part of me what's like, I really want to do something there. So, you know, I I, I will get there at some point is maybe a, maybe a shorter answer.
2: It's, yeah, it is absolutely worth a trip. Um, yeah. I stopped there years ago for the first time and didn't quite, I guess I didn't have high expectations. Yeah, I was absolutely blown away. And I stopped there again this summer and we were, we were coming back from Colorado and mm-hmm. I, and, and truly it was part of the trip I planned to stop there. You know, and my, my wife allowed that, which yeah. is great. So we stopped and spent a day there again. And uh, it, it's both a great museum that tells the story of world war one, but it also has such a collection that is so impressive and, and, and unique. There, there's mm-hmm. there's a lot of uniqueness to their collection that you also wouldn't maybe expect. Um, so a uh, fabulous uh, collection, um, and, and highly worth it. I highly recommend it.
0: Yeah, very inspiring. Uh, you know, yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, look, you know what? I lo- again, like, kind of mixing that pleasure and professional. Um, we again speaking somewhat for Kelly. I mean, we 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 did go to PAX recently um and again it's hard to say like when this episode's going to air but there is something really special about doing these kinds of podcasts on location so i imagine too would be really fun at some point to you know visit some of these battlefields or visit you know a museum and literally have a podcast from that place you know kind of talking about it so yeah um at some point i'll definitely i'll definitely sort of get there
2: you know oh absolutely so
0: by the way adam um This is definitely one of those podcasts where it's almost like there's going to have to be a part two because I feel like there's a lot that we haven't (laughs) even touched the surface of, and I see Kelly. We've only scratched the surface. No, we really, yeah, yeah, we 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 barely got there, guys.
2: Sorry. No, no, no. I mean, I.
0: This is this was really a lot of fun. Um, So let me ask you, like, just as we start to, I guess, close down, I guess what we could call part one of this uh, conversation, or maybe who knows, part one of many. Um, is there a project that you're working on right now that, you know, you're, you're real passionate about or something that you're doing that you can kind of, kind of talk about here on the, on the pod?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, right now, kind of one of these interesting little, uh, uh, facets, little rabbit hole I'm going down. It was inspired by an article in, in gamer in, in, you know, Wargames Illustrated, um, by by a gentleman i'm i got to find his name i actually have his name uh, laying yeah. around here someplace but um uh, but anyway, um there was an article uh, it appeared a couple years ago um and he has uh, he has a great um uh, really great instagram as well that i that i follow uh, but it's about the uh the clinket indians in mm-hmm. alaska and their interactions with the russian fur traders um, okay so this is kind of 1800 1804 um and, uh, there's a, the, the, the article in War games illustrated really got into, uh, it was, it was, a, it was a great little collection he'd put together. There's a Russian manufacturer that makes 28 millimeter Tlingit Indians. Okay. And, um, uh, he's the only one like there, there, I shouldn't say that. there's one other company that makes a few characters, but, but he makes kind of a whole range, um, and uh, as you might imagine, uh, it's a little bit difficult to get a hold of those right now oh, uh, sure. because of yeah. you know, politics. But he and I figured out a way, and uh, and he's he's sending me – he cast a, a, a couple collections of them for me, and he's sending them to me right now uh, from, from Russia. So I'm looking forward to getting those, um, and I'm building out a board for those. Uh, but it's kind of a fascinating piece of American history, right? That just doesn't get talked about. And, and as you've seen on my on my site, I I got all kinds of uh, different uh, spaces in history that I I, I we've played in, and there, we got a lot more on the on the board. Uh, but but kind of this this Indian interaction with 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 the Russian uh, initial uh, uh, trappers and traders up in Alaska is one of those. Um, uh, the Czech Legion in uh, the Russian Civil War. Yep. And, and there's scenario across the Siberian trans Siberian railroad um, collection of soldiers uh, figures is done. Now I'm building the board out and the armored trains and all of that is coming along now. Um, World War II in the Aleutian Islands. Who, nobody's game. I, I keep waiting. When's somebody going to yeah, build a board? Yeah, it is oh, so a, funny I'm, you bring that up. I'm going to build that board. It's I mean, so I funny.
0: I have a student uh, or for, uh, really at this point I should say a former student who actually came to me a number of years ago. He comes to NextGen events. His name is Aiden. And mm-hmm. he has very serious interest in exactly that project. You almost never see anything about the Aleutian Islands. And that- I literally said to him, I was like, dude, like I've never seen this before. I have no idea how to game this. So it's it's what a weird coincidence there. Yeah, you have a lot of projects. Yeah, it sounds like you have a lot of like really quirky projects.
2: We're we're just like any other gamer, right? You got to have half a dozen projects in the queue, right? At least, and um, and uh, and I've got stages of each of these kind of under, under work. Uh, there's some other dream ones out there too, that we can talk about, you know, yeah, another yeah. time as well, but, uh, but, but, you know, there's some other good stuff out there too, but, but those are some of the ones that, uh, uh already collecting the figures, uh, cute yeah. Cubans and, uh, in the, uh, in the cold war in Angola, uh, yeah. and some of the massive, uh, uh, engagements they were involved in, um, and those interactions between the South Africans and the different factions within Angola, in the cold war is kind of a fascinating space. Again, you don't right. see anything in that area. Uh, You know, King Philip's War, the Pueblo Revolt. There's so many areas that are both U.S. history and world history that we just don't – you don't see on the tabletop. Um, And those kind of things fascinate me. Um, uh, I still love the old tried and true civil wars and Napoleonics and whatnot and World War II, and we do a ton of all that stuff. But, man, I love to find these other areas that nobody's – not necessarily because nobody's doing them, but because we're interested in them, because I'm interested in them. Um, and you'll want to try to bring them to life as real as you can on the tabletop to kind of learn as much as you can about it and share it with other people.
0: And I so. think that's a key, right? I think that that's something that you know, if if somebody, I mean, look, there's a lot of like lessons and things that somebody could take away from listening to this podcast without sounding like egotistical. But uh, they think there's a lot of really good stuff that came out of this, right? But more than anything, whether you're talking about role-playing games or board games, different kinds of tabletop games, historical war games there is that learning component. It, and, and if you really get into that, it makes everything so much more fun. Because for me, I'm not, you know, I, I don't know about you guys, but for me, it was always nice learning about a conflict, but going beyond that, like who was the leader at that time? You know, what kind of government did they have? What was the economy like? And I think that there's a lot that can kind of, there's a lot of learning that can kind of come from gaming weird periods or weird games or whatever.
2: Absolutely. Well, you know, it teaches you about the world, right? Or the US yeah, it does. You find, oh, yeah. You, you find these these different conflicts and these different situations, right? The leaders, the what these folks went through, what you know, what brought on these conflicts. I mean, you know, it teaches. It absolutely does. And you know, as yeah. a teacher, I know that's why I always enjoy listening to your guys' podcast because you guys talk a lot about this side of things, right? Education and young people yeah. and. And, um, uh, and and I love that. I love that you guys are doing that. Um oh, that's I'd love cool. to see Thank you. more, more yeah. of it. And um you know, if there's any way we can ever help, please let us know. Although, oh, <laughs> believe me, <you> know? <laughs> I, I already there's like eight
0: eight different ideas rolling around in my head. Well, look, at the very least, because you know we live pretty far away from each other, but at the very least, um it'll be super nice. Well, now that we have this acquaintance, um, it'll be super nice to see one another at Historicon and actually know each other, you know, because yes. You know, I'm sure we'll, you know, we'll, we'll be there. Hopefully actually Kelly, you know, maybe doing some podcasts while we're there. That was oh, be totally. fun. Yeah. You know, and then maybe like the whole lot of us, you know, we could get together with the, uh, you know, the Firelock games guys that <laughs> get into trouble, go smoke cigars <laughs> and drink rum. I think that'd be really fun. <laughs> like, always got to oh, keep an eye on those guys. Oh <laughs> no, I know. I know. So, well, look, this was a blast. Uh, and again, um, th- this podcast uh, is is exactly what I like about doing this because I almost like not knowing a massive amount about the person kind of going in. I mean, I knew enough to get this interview going, but I feel like we really can have like a little, almost like a sequence of different podcasts about some of the things that sort of came up today, you know?
2: Absolutely. Too, yeah, it? Oh yeah, yeah, it's
1: absolute so, blast. Totally. <laughs> um, Kelly, I don't know about you, man. How do you feel right now? I feel good. I'm actually yeah. like uh, in, inspired by the Instagram uh, yeah. <laughs> posts yeah. that you guys put up in, in our <laughs> conversations about um, yeah geography. Like I'm already planning projects. Like I have a big yeah. project next year I want to put together and, and, Having this conversation is adding to like okay, these are the things I need to look for. These are the things I want to add it to m- just give it that extra spice. Yeah, like I know I'm
0: going down to the basement as soon as this is over. Oh yeah, yeah. But, you know, <laughs> I'm already looking. I'm working I on my own it. project. You know, that's. <laughs> but, you're, but again, like, and I think Adam, you had mentioned this earlier. You know when you see other people doing stuff that's really interesting, it just makes you want to do it, you know? Exactly. Um, I mean, it hurts our wallets probably, but you can't. Absolutely. As one of my very good friends uh, loves to make this point, you can't bring your money with you to the grave. So, I mean, you may as well. uh, I mean, I guess the Egyptians thought differently, but, you know, I don't know. When I'm done, I'm done, (laughs) so. More
2: more toys, the better, right? (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Or at least as much as the wife will allow. Yeah, for sure, for sure.
0: Well, I have the greatest wife ever. She loves she loves the fact that I do all of this because I, I don't know. I mean, it would be pretty miserable to go through life with whatever gender, whatever you want to talk about. It's like not having a hobby. I mean, those type of people, they are just miserable. You know, I, I think everybody yeah. needs something like this, you know, because yeah, no matter yeah. how fulfilling one's job is, you got to have something on the side that you do to get you up in the
2: morning, you know? Yeah. The creative yeah. outlet, right? Oh, that absolutely. creative outlet is fabulous. And, and you know, a lot of people, and I find it certainly in my work and spaces, but, uh, but not, not to the degree that I need. Right. Yes. So the hobby provides that along with, you know, that love of history and everything Definitely. else. You yeah, got it. Because again, absolutely. you know,
0: it's one thing to learn to get a grade, Or maybe do well at your job to, you know, maybe get a little bonus at the end of the year. It's another thing to want to learn something just to learn it, you know, for the sake of it, which I think is really important to people, you know, and again, like bringing it completely full circle, you know, to uh, the insane documentary that I watched last night. I don't know, maybe we should get those folks like painting some miniatures and not. (laughs) <laughs> following some crazy person, right?
2: I mean, get out there, it, do it, something, you know? It is good for mental health. There's no, no it doubt is. it is. We're going to oh, have yeah. a
0: whole, again, I yep. never know when these are going to come out, right? Because yep. we have, and this is a good thing. I have such a backlog of episodes and there's always people that want to come on, but we're going to do a whole thing on mental health um, yep. and, and games. Oh, yeah. I'm not even joking. I think games are a great outlet for people. To really oh, yeah. immerse yourself, and again, whether that's like a role-playing game like Dungeons and Dragons or a political game like uh, Dune Imperium or whatever, you know, I think yeah. it's a great thing for people, you oh, know. And oh I, yeah,
2: you know, yeah. One of one of the guys in our group is a is a veteran Iraq. He was yep. wounded, and he'll tell you absolutely it was it's been very therapeutic for him. Yeah, um, and and other guys you know that we interact with quite a bit, right? Absolutely, you know, mental health and, and and also just you know uh, therapeutic and. You know in a place to really focus and produce things yeah. uh, that you enjoy and love and other people also uh, can as well um it is yeah it, it, it there's a there's a big space for that in society and and, yeah. and more people should should hopefully learn about that i, I hope I, so
0: well yeah. i mean i don't know this podcast is starting to reach a lot more people um mostly because of the guests and such so yeah, yeah we'll have to see you know yeah. um okay so here's a at least a final question for the time being so Thomas of Wargamers, right? So if, if somebody wants to, whether reach out to you guys or find you, uh, you know, on the interwebs, uh, yep. and what would you suggest somebody do?
2: Super easy. Uh, a lot of people do it. Just use the Instagram, um, yep. and just shoot us a message straight through the Instagram. Um, and, uh, you know, just that's, that's the easiest way. And I'm always happy to throw you out my email or whatever else you need as well there too. Uh, but uh, my my Gmail, I can give you that as well. People just want to email me directly. Uh, but are you sure?
0: Do you are you do you want to do that? Uh, <laughs> I don't okay know who's me. listening out there, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> you might get like crazy know. emails. Yeah, from the the Fire
1: guys. The you know, is gonna send you emails. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, do it. I'm, I'm just g- kidding. kidding. You'll be fine. I'll, I'll give it a try. Yeah, do yeah. <laughs> if I have to shut off do it <laughs> <laughs> yeah i know it's uh it's uh sharp farms uh because we're farmers remember so sharp yep. farms F A M F A R M S, and then the numeral one sharp farms one at gmail.com uh so you can shoot me an email uh but probably the easiest is just just jump through the uh, uh jump through the uh, instagram site absolutely
0: all right awesome well this is an absolute blast um kelly i hope you had as much of a oh, yeah, fun time as i did yeah. super, super fun. Thank you very much for coming on. And like I said, uh, it'll be fun to chat offline in a moment about, you know, some different things we can do.
2: Yeah. Well, thank you guys. Thanks, Kelly. Thanks, Jared. I appreciate you guys having me on. Hey, I, I, I didn't really, I, I gotta be honest. I had not yep. heard about your podcast until you reached out to me and I've yep. since listened to many of the episodes and I love it. You guys oh, do a thank great you. job. You're, you are, you're great interviewers. I love the guests. I love the interaction. So thanks for having me on. It's been a real pleasure. Oh, absolutely. Thank Roger. you. Thank you.
0: Thank you very much. And then for all of you uh, folks out there listening, I feel like I've used that word a dozen times here, but I don't know. Sometimes you you just, I don't know when I teach, I know every year there's like a certain word I use all the time, but um, so for everybody listening out there, thank you. First off, thank you for listening. Um, And as we wrap up here, don't forget, you know, just a few, a few plugs. Some of these are advertising. Don't be mad. Um, You know, it's, it's part of the part of the deal. And some are just, you know, people that we really like. So, uh, Matt Randar and Battle Tribe. Always loved shouting uh, shouting Matt out for all the stuff that he does. Um, my One of my dear friends, Corey, in Cigar Box Battles, kind of making some of the most high-quality uh, gaming mats that you can kind of get out there. I mean, I use them all the time. Uh, I would also like to shout out one of our sponsors, BetterHelp, for, again, sort of being a... Uh, we were talking about mental health just now, you know, just sort of being an outlet out there for people... That might just need somebody to talk to, right? So I'm a huge, uh, hugely thankful uh, uh, to that company. And I think on that note, I think that's kind of where we can stop. Kelly, thanks for co-hosting as usual. Of course. All right, everybody. Peace. Have a wonderful, wonderful day, and I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Thank you. Everyone. Bye, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to today's twenty-sided gamified podcast. I hope you got as much out of the conversation as I did. If you're interested in learning more about the organizations I work with, please visit www.nextgengaming.org and www.nasaga.org. My Instagram handle is hmgs underscore nextgen underscore ink. Until next time, be well, get some gaming in, and rolls and 20s. Thank you so much.